Jürgen Klopp declined the pay rise and made sure his staff got an increase. That speaks volume as well. There's not a lot of managers that would do that, but he cares for the people around him. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Hi and welcome back to a new episode of our podcast, The Bold Tackle. Sophie, a very sad week for me. A very, very sad week for you, indeed. Come on, explain it to everyone. Why was this week so disappointing for you? Well, it seems to be disappointing for every single Liverpool fan. But by seeing the response over the last couple of days, I think it's a very sad message for everyone that loves football. Um, especially in the Premier League, because Jurgen Klopp and his team are leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. Yeah, they are. I think it was a very brave move to put himself first for once, which he hasn't done for many years, clearly. Um, I thought, I only saw a snippet of his interview. Um, I thought it was, it spoke volume for me. Yeah, I think he's a person that in interviews is very honest, very direct and speaks his mind. But in this interview, it seemed like he had thought very hard about the decision he made. Um, I think it might even help Liverpool the rest of the season. It could have been something that uh, stops the momentum, but I think it could really help them um, Give it their all if they haven't for the last couple of weeks. Um, just give it their all for the end to to really give him a honourable send off um, because he's done so much for the club over the last what is it eight nine years. Yeah, um, I think Virgil Van Dijk mentioned that in his interview that they wonder, sorry, they want to give Jurgen Klopp the send off he deserves. It was very obvious not only in this interview but in all the previous ones as well and everything Jürgen Klopp does for the club and the community that he really loves the club and the city and he's dedicated his life for the last how many years he's been at the club to these people and as you said I think it was a very difficult decision Um, I think he mentioned sharing how much that club and that city means to him and that he still made the decision that he will leave to show's how important that decision actually is for him as a person. Mm. Something you saw through his career is how he gets the best out of every player. Players that even I frowned about when he got them in, he seems to do something right to get them in and to really get the best out of them. And I would like to talk about this today, and this is going to be our topic today, how important the coach can be for a team and an individual player um, but also how he can determine the career of a single player. Um, so would you be able to give us insights into that? Maybe let's start off with the big overall question. How important is a coach for 
a player's career? I think it's important that everything I share is just based on my opinion and my experience. And on the basis of that, a manager is absolutely crucial to not only the team's success, but also for an individual. They play such an important role. And I always say, as a manager, you won't always be liked. That simply comes with a job. But, and I'm going back to Jurgen Klopp, the fact that every time a player left his team and his club, they spoke so highly of him. And I think he's got the foundation right of trust, respect. Um, that is absolutely crucial in, in a high-performance environment. There's many studies out there now about what actually is a high-performance environment and how, how do you select members of that environment. And, and the number one thing they say is trust. And that can only be built over time. You almost earn the trust of other people. You can't, you can't ask them, you can't tell them they can trust you, you have to show them. And that is one of my biggest things. For me, a manager has to lead by example, show through his actions what he believes and what he, what he stands for. What did you think Klopp did right then? Because if they all speak highly of him, I think there's a lot of players that also speak very highly of Pep Guardiola and what he taught them. But what do you think Jurgen Klopp does right that the players rate him so much? I mean, you can see what he does on the field, but there must be a lot going on behind the scenes and the way he is towards the players. Yeah, obviously I don't know him personally, so this is just what I can see and read from interviews and, and hear from players that talk about him, is that obviously he's got the highest demand in training and on the pitch. It is an absolute like top-level environment, but he also cares for the individual. And this, this care, we spoke about it when we mentioned the interview with Deli Ali, the, the care for the human being is essential if you want to, uh, I go back to it again, but if you want to build that trust, um, I believe I'll only give him my all and, and put my body on the line for a person that cares for me as a human being. And that clearly is something that Jurgen Klopp really values. You can see it, how he interacts with the community. You know, it's not only the football, the, the performance, the achieving on the pitch, it's everything that defines that city and that club and caring for the people around him. And it, in the immediate circle, that is his players and his staff. Jürgen Klopp declined a pay rise and made sure his staff got an increase. That speaks volume as well. There's not a lot of managers that would do that, but he cares for the people around him. And I think another important thing is, is honesty. Jürgen Klopp will, will have had to have many tough conversations throughout his career. Liverpool is a club, a team that has so many high-profile players where they're competing for a position on the spot every single day, every single week. So he will have had very difficult conversations. But first of all, having these conversations is important. And also, even if you sometimes don't want to hear it as a player, it's been given the truth, given the honest reasons, explanation, opinion, because you can deal with that as a player. But that that is a matter of respect, I think. And if the manager respects you enough to be honest with you, even though it's tough at times, I, I then 
in return respect that manager so much more. So I can only imagine that that's what's, what was going on in Jurgen Klopp's club. I think that's something Janice mentioned in our episode with her, that she got that difficult message of you're not going to be starting in the Champions League, but she was able to deal with it because she got that message directly from the coach. Um, one interesting thing you said was um, a trainer needs to, or coach needs to make very difficult decisions. I think that's true, but I think what's even more difficult is to communicate these decisions to a player. And I think in my uh, non-existent career and that is something that a lot of coaches didn't manage to do they made these difficult decisions but they couldn't bring across why they made the decision and on top of that a lot of the times they were not able to um, discuss with you that you might have seen it differently and they won't weren't able to actually in a nice way argue with you and to get on a standpoint of why that decision was made because at the end of the day the decision was made but I think it's very important for a player to understand why it was made and not just be told and off you go and go back to training. Yeah I think there's two points you mentioned 100% I think the ability to have a discussion even if after this discussion you kind of agree to disagree that's absolutely fine you don't always have to agree but the openness to have this mature professional discussion, I think it's crucial. But at times, I believe it's not the capability, it's shying away from having conversations because it's an easy way out. Um, I believe as a, as a manager, it is your job to people manage as well as obviously the football side. But your role is to manage a team and that includes um, having these conversations um, keeping people in the loop, I guess I'd call it. So um, if you are doing well or not doing well, just it's a constant exchange of feedback and it goes goes both ways as well. But this is where it's, I then talk about maturity and professionalism. Um, it's just a matter of working together to get the best out of one another, I guess. Let's talk about your experience with coaches as well. What are the most important aspects a coach has to have for you what were the best values coaches had that trained you um i think the most important um attributes i guess for me are first of all leading by example and doing what you say there's nothing worse than having a person stand in front of you preach about something but actually then not put that in practice into practice himself herself that's one of the worst things for me personally um so it's basically speaking through actions which is very important to me as a person that's one of my values um and the next thing is there's a lot of words that i'd put together but it's like trust honesty respect um i think they're all separate words but they all go hand in hand um there has to be an aspect of trust between players and, and coaches or players and manager. Um, respect is also is a foundation for any interaction between, between human beings. But if you don't feel respected, it's a big, big issue. And if you don't respect, it's a big, big issue. Do you also think it's difficult for players to not take decisions 
personally? Yeah, my honest answer is yeah. Yeah, it, it is difficult. And I have to admit that is something I've had to learn. Um, probably have had to learn the hard way, to be honest. Um, I'm glad I have learned it because now I'm in a way better, I guess, conditioned in a sense of I don't t- take things personally anymore. Um, it is football. It is part of my life. It, and I also don't let anyone determine the value I give myself. And we've addressed it in a previous episode at some point, but in the past I took feedback or comments or criticism um, personally. And the biggest thing is it affected me as a human being outside of football as well as obviously my performance as well. And the second thing is I allowed um, someone else to determine my value, what I perceived my value was, and I'm far from that now. That obviously comes with being in the game for so long, (laughs) maturing as well. Um, and having these honest conversations, I guess, with with teammates, but also my family. And yes, I realised I did take things personally, and that is something I had to learn and, and grow from. Yeah, I think it's very difficult because this coach has a lot of power. He can more or less determine the career of every single player of his by making decisions, playing someone, not playing someone uh, for certain reasons. Um, I think it's very difficult. You need someone to lead a team. But how do you deal with a situation that this is a part of your career you can't control? Um, A coach is appointed by the club and the players need to deal with this coach and he is able to determine where your career is going to lead no matter what the coach before or after is going to say or do with this player yeah that is a tricky situation I guess that is what you sign up for as a player um you won't always agree with with every single decision a manager makes that's just simply football and that's also life um but if you have these fundamental values in terms of being honest as a manager, being honest with the players, um, respecting, um, mutually respect between players, amongst players, but also between player and staff. Um, I mentioned the trust because if someone, if someone, I guess, fools around in a sense of messes you about, that trust reduces and it's hard to rebuild that. Yes, the manager is almost in charge of your career where it goes in the in the immediate instance, but that is also football. And sometimes um, a manager likes your playing style, sometimes they don't, and that is normal. It's then up to you to find a different path, I guess. How, how do you deal with that situation? Because I was just thinking while you were responding, and I said you can't control the coach, but you can control your reaction. Yeah, you very much can control your reaction and you can also control how you go about a situation where you probably disagree with a with a decision. The biggest thing for me is um, I am who I am and I will always give it my all on the pitch and I always will put the team first. At times that is very difficult. Say you're not selected. It's a difficult battle you have internally, but in the end you need to be professional and that is one of my values. I need to be professional no matter what. 
how do you deal with a situation where you are not picked because, as you said, someone doesn't like your style of play? Because as long as he's going to be there, you're not going to play because he doesn't like your style of play. Yeah, and that is one of the toughest situations to be in uh, because it is simply out of your control. Um, I guess if you accept that it's out of your control, control the controllables, again, maybe it becomes easier. But for me personally, if I can't do anything about a situation, if I say if someone says you need to work on this and that, um, and then you'll have a good shot or whatever, I'll go out on graft. I'll make sure that becomes a strength sooner or later. But if you simply almost don't have a chance because someone doesn't like your style of play, that is tough. That's probably one of the toughest parts of of playing the game, of being a professional football player. Um, I've heard comments before in terms of you'll still earn your wage, you're, especially for male footballers that are on a massive wage. He's still earning his, I don't know, 50k a week. But that is not why we play football, of course, especially in the men's game. They still have the money on their account at the end of the month, but no player will happily sit on the bench. I think, if, or in, on the, in the stands, I think the moment you're happy to sit on the bench, something's off. You should be disappointed and you should be frustrated when you don't get onto the pitch. But use that frustration as fuel to prove yourself right. And I say prove myself right on purpose because I used to try and prove others wrong. I've gone away from that. I just want to prove myself right that I am good enough. Yes, if someone doesn't like your style of play, you probably won't ever get that shot. But then it's up to you. Take your career in your hands and look for a move, I guess. Do you think um, if someone doesn't like your style of play, you can still work your way into a team? Potentially, but just grafting. Eventually, hopefully, um, if there's um, openness to whoever's performing best should be on the pitch. Potentially, um, but that is a very tough situation to be in as a player. What do you think about the situations where coaches get fired? Because a lot of the time in the football industry, they don't get enough time. Klopp did get enough time. Um, He did get the... um, We're sticking with you in times where it was a little bit more difficult... Other clubs, especially where there's a lot of money behind it, um, they don't get enough time to deal with the team. Um, And a lot of the time also, the coach can't really change anything because the team's not on his side. How do you think you would deal with a situation like that? As a manager or as someone that employs managers? As a manager, I don't think you have a choice. It would rather be the club who employs him and also the players, how they deal with those situations because it must be really difficult for them or you in this case when a lot of, there's a lot of manager changes. Yeah, ironically, I'm quite experienced with manager changes because we've had three managers at my time or during my time at Leicester. It's never, it's never easy. You'll always have a team that's quite split. Some think it's really, really good that a new manager comes in especially if you, as a team, haven't got the results you, you need and, and you set out for. Or if he doesn't like your style of play. Yeah, especially if you're not someone that's considered, I guess, 
Um, but there's also going to be a group of players that aren't happy and are almost devastated. I think the key to that is keeping an open mind. If I'm a player that is constantly playing and the manager gets sacked, it's not about me constantly playing why I should be devastated that the manager's sacked. It should be because we're because I see there's a, a project, a process, we'll get somewhere. I should be I should be encouraging this sacking almost as a player. If we're not getting the results, if we keep doing the same things and we keep losing, then I should be asking for that sacking almost because as a team, we're not getting what we need to succeed. We're not performing. But is that the manager's fault or the team's fault? A bit of both. In the end, you've got the players on the pitch. But as a manager, you sign up for your, your names on the paper in terms of you're the team's leader. No player can get sacked. Players can get benched. Players can get put in the stands. A manager can get sacked. They're fully aware of that when they sign up for the job. So how long would you give a manager when you hire him? Um, it's difficult to answer that with a, a number. When If I was in the position that I was hiring a manager, first of all, I'd do my re- research, extensive research. I also would listen to the team in a sense of what do they need. Not that they would make that decision. It's It sounds like you would have different attributes that you would look at if you say I would do my research. What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. so I would ask the team definitely what I guess was what was missing in the previous manager. Um, maybe what were the strengths that they, they um, encouraged or that they liked that they would want to see in the, in the next manager. Not that the team makes a decision, by no means, but I think it's crucial to get input from the team, from the players that are actually on the pitch. Is that not done? Um, no, I don't think so, to be very honest. Um, I don't think players get asked enough. But I, I can understand why. Because too many opinions makes a decision and a hiring so much more difficult. If I go and ask 20 of my employees, who do you want your next boss to be? You'll have one who says, oh, please, someone who's not too hard on us. You'll say, "Our other one, we want someone really hard. We want to be trained really hard. We want to be fit. Others would be, ah, oh, we want to play a lot of football, but this guy always sends us up the hill. You'll get so many different opinions that it doesn't make the decision easier, does it? Uh, it won't make the decision easier, but that's not the point. It's the point is to get get a feeling and a vibe from the team. Um, it's to filter that information. Um, I think a, a big thing would be what didn't work with the previous manager. What are the lookouts? What was missing? You know, so we can learn from that. We have to learn from that because typically, when a new manager is appointed, you don't have a lot of time. There's a very quick turnaround. Someone comes through the door say a Monday, Sunday you're playing your first game, mm. you know. Um, in terms of time, I'd, I'd be very careful to set a time limit because if I'm bringing someone in, say say Mareska from, from um, Enzo Mareska from the, the men's side, it took him quite some time to implement what he was doing. So if someone had jumped the gun and was like, oh, they're not playing the way he promised us to and they're not getting these amazing results constantly. Well, bear in mind that I think 10 points ahead now, like they're doing really well. But 
people could have been like, oh, he's not the right guy. But it was about trusting the process. He had an he had a plan. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew exactly which players he had to bring in and how he could mold this style of play around the players he already had. And look the way they're playing now. It's a completely different Leicester team to the team last year. But that is because he got the time he needed. And and that's probably longer than people had hoped for. But that's his communication and the trust as well. That the club needs to trust the manager that what he does what he promises to do, he will do eventually. Obviously, if you go on for a whole season and you can't see any improvement, yes, there's a tough conversation to be had. It's a focus on the long term goals instead of instead of the short term um results on the pitch. Um, and I think that's something Klopp said in his first interview when I listened to it just a couple of days ago when that first message came out that he is leaving. Give us time and we will win trophies, but be patient. Yeah, I, I think if you're appointing someone uh, to keep you in the league, you've got three games, games to go. It's a sh- short-term fix. It's not lasting. But if you're appointing someone for like actual change and to move that club and team in the right direction... That will take time. It won't happen overnight. And that, I think, is something that has to, that clubs that employ employ managers have to be aware of. It, I guess it has to be communicated. What is the reason and the goal of this appointment? Is it a short-term fix? Okay, maybe get someone else in because he can, he can rally up the team and he can get them through relegation. But is it someone that really wants to build something at this club and, and take it places? And maybe you need someone with a real plan in mind someone that is is willing to trust the process take some heavy hits along the way but knows what he's doing so if I would ask you today and you don't have to name names who would be your perfect coach or who was the perfect coach in the past do you have anyone in mind this is quite ironic actually because when when dad was over last week we discussed this um, and I said to him, like, I've had a lot of managers with very, very positive and good attributes. Um, and I learned a lot from these managers. There's also, however, these same managers that have attributes that I certainly, if I was a manager, wouldn't want to take on kind of thing. Um, I have a notepad where every time I encounter something that I disagree with, it gets put in the notepad. Um just who knows what's going to happen after my playing career, but it's just something I want to learn from my my time in the in the game. Um, but probably the best manager, and it's not at professional level, was when I was still with boys. I was playing under 15s, I think, boys, uh, close to home, almost a local team. And the reason why, for me, I picked that manager um, is because he got the balance right between... Performing on the pitch and and seeing you as a human being and caring for you as a human being. There was such a togetherness within the squad. And during my time under this manager, there were decisions I disagreed with and there were also a lot of tough conversations, either with myself or other teammates. But the way he, he led this team, we all fought for him every single day, every single session, every single game. But off the pitch, we were such a tight group, which obviously helps on the pitch as well. 
like he got the balance between pushing us as players and caring for us as people. He got that really right. And um, something that just came to my mind now, um, how do you deal with a coach having a favourite player? There's not a lot you can do. The biggest thing for me is every manager has their favourite. It's that simple as that. The way you go about it, though, is what decides whether you're a good manager or, I'll put it nicely, a not-so-good manager. (laughs) (laughs) Because every manager, every person has their favourites. But as long as you can put that aside when it goes to team selection and how you interact with players individually, um, it is just what it is. But when when a manager has their favourites and they play regardless whether they're performing or not performing, whether it's the best for the team or not, the only thing you can do is stick together as a team because you won't change you won't change that manager's opinion. And it is very tricky for a team to challenge the manager and say, We know you've got a favourite, this player is not the best for the team because in the end that player can't do anything about it, usually. That player can't do anything about the manager, I guess, liking him or her more than anyone else. Like, mm. I, totally, I totally agree. At the end of the day, it's not allowed to damage the team performance or the long-term results. Y- yeah. Uh, for me, it's also, you know, when you talk about team selection and I always think if you're not selected, you should be disappointed and frustrated should never be bitter towards a player that's playing ahead of you because that player can't do anything about it. Mm. It's a manager that picks a team. For me, I'll be pissed off at the manager, but mm. I, I think I'm like it's okay to be, but I'll make sure I'm professional on the pitch and obviously in the environment. Um, oh. And I can very openly disagree with the decisions, but I, I need to react in a professional manner and I need to put the team first in that moment. And certainly not go against the player that's playing ahead of me. Yeah, I think that's a very good way of looking at it. Um, And then just proving yourself right and doing the best you can to get back on the pitch. That's all I can do. That's the only thing I can control. Um, Glassing on the pitch, training as good as I can. When I get the opportunity, be ready. And in the end, it's up to the manager. And that's just how football works. Unfortunately, as I said before, I've been in this game for so long. I don't take these things personally anymore. I disagree openly as well, but um, I'll never, ever stand in the way of the team's success. So from all the managers out there at the moment, who do you think the best manager is? Um, I'm quite biased because I really, really like Klopp. But for me, he's one of the best. Um and I don't even know what his training sessions are like. <laughs> I have no clue. But you can see how but he some... reacts on the pitch and how the team reacts on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Like for me, the fact that players, when they leave the club and they don't potentially play under him, so therefore they're unhappy because they're not getting the game time they want and they probably think they deserve. The fact that they still speak so highly about him when they leave speaks so much volume. I always say, when you've got a team, look at the bench. If the players are behind the team, if they're smiling, and I'm not talking like smiling even though they're not playing, but if they're 
if they feel respected and valued, even though they're not on the pitch, he's doing something right. And that is a big thing for me. You can be unhappy with not playing, but as long as you feel respected and valued, you'll be fine. That's the biggest thing as a manager, I think, that you have to give the players. So we started the episode with Klopp and we'll end it with Klopp as well because <laughs> I have a funny anecdote because you said you haven't met him ever before. Do you know that someone in our family has? No, I've seen him. I've, I've I said hello. Um, I don't know him personally. That's what I meant. I remember you played with his brother. Uh, sorry. Wow, I'm you old. With, no, <laughs> I don't know how I got that wrong there. I know that you played with his son. Sorry. And... Um, he came to watch a game and I came and watched one of your games this is, gosh years and years and years ago this is when he still lived in Germany obviously and I remember dad going so safe do you know who that is I was like yeah dad I think it's Jürgen Klopp <laughs> <laughs> we were so starstruck um but he said is hello and I said my respectful hello but I never actually I'd love to have a conversation with him because I think he's such an interesting man and manager um but yeah, I'll just leave it there because otherwise people will think I'm weird. Maybe you'll get the uh, possibility to speak to him once. But I think that must have been the second time that dad met him. Because I remember a story where dad came. It was right. I did play with his son. Um, and this was when he was coach at Mainz 05. And I remember after one of the games, uh, dad drove me home and he said uh, Ollie I um, I met this bloke and I said hi and I just had a chat with him and asked how he was, asked how he was but um, I can't remember who it was do you know who that was I said yeah dad that's Jürgen Klopp he's a trainer of mine and he went <gasps> and wasn't aware that he was talking to Jürgen oh. Klopp <laughs> oh I love that story that must your story must have been before mine because when dad saw him I guess the second time he was showing off that he knew who it was. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't the first time. <laughs> oh, bless him. That's actually cute. So a lovely little anecdote at the end. And maybe we'll get him on the podcast one day. How amazing would that be just to ask him oh, about the, how, he, how he coaches people? Because I would Dream love... Big. Yeah, I would love to learn that from him because I think that's a skill anyone Do you know, could use. Yeah, I wish... I wish he ran coaching courses, managing courses, managing days, a day where he explains his values, his ways of going about things, his challenges. I think coaches, managers in any sport, in also any business really, men's football, women's football could benefit from that so much. But this is me dreaming big. This is me thinking about the best possible scenario that would be incredible, I think, for all managers out there. And judging by his interview, I think his wife would not be very happy as he's promised a year of holiday and rest and time with the family. And I think he deserves it. Yeah, you can take a year off. He can come back after that. He won't have <laughs> unlearned what it means to be a good manager. So I'll give him a year and then I'll be in, be in touch. Yeah. Lovely end of the episode. Thank you very much, Soph, for all your insights again. Um, a lot about Klopp. But I think he's such an interesting person. We could do a whole episode on him. Um, but I'll see you next time. And thank you for everyone else listening in. Indeed, I think we could do a whole season of episodes on Jürgen Klopp, if I'm honest. Uh, maybe next time we'll discuss Pep Guardiola. <laughs> I'll take take a couple of episodes for that as well. But thanks so much, Ali, for, for taking the time again. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. And we'll see you again next week.
Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.